Aloha and welcome to the Hawaii Shoots podcast called How Do You Shoot That? Today I'm here with Jen. Woot woot. And we're talking about one of my favorite topics, storytelling. I wanted to know as a PR, marketing, social media professional, Everybody wants more video. How do I, you know, how do I go vi viral? I mean, everybody wants their video to be the most viewed, etc. But I know that you've told me before in past um, conversations that it's all about the storytelling. But what about the storytelling? Like, what, what makes up a good story? I think storytelling, number one, is actually very subjective. Mm -hmm. So if you look across the landscape of broadcast these days, CBS, Fox, mm -hmm. whatever, um, Dancing with the Stars, uh, and So You Think You Can Dance, there's now what, the world of dance. Mm -hmm. Three different dance shows that like are wildly popular, mm -hmm. all with different cast members or whatever, but throughout this 60 minutes of TV, mm. it's a vastly different type of storytelling, mm. even within the same subject matter. Mm -hmm. uh, you have things like How to Get Away with Murder. You also have like, you know, Charlie Brown and, and Sesame Street. They're mm -hmm. all different stories, different types of um, audiences. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think storytelling starts with understanding who your audience is and what they want to consume. Okay. So when it comes to marketing, uh, every company has a different target market. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that's where we typically start in storytelling, is who are you telling this story to and what kind of story do they want to consume? Okay, that's super helpful. I mean, yeah, we always try to go back to the basics of understanding who's receiving or listening to the message. I mean, once you have that, like I heard of things like storyboarding and all that other stuff. What is, what is that exactly? I mean, I, I've heard you tell me and people have told me, you need a storyboard, but I don't know what that really means. Okay, so I, I actually have to go through this with clients a lot. Um, there is a ton of work that goes into production way before we bring out a camera. Um, we call it pre-production, mm -hmm. all the stuff that leads up to the production. And I mean, there's weeks and weeks of planning that goes into the pre-production process so that when we actually get to shoot, it is a very streamlined process uh, and there are as few problems or hiccups, um, unanticipated uh, issues as possible. Mm -hmm. So with the pre-production process, you have to figure out where your location's at, you have to figure out what uh, your client wants, and one of the keys to making sure production is successful is having a planned out list of shots that you need to get. Uh, sometimes you can choreograph that because you have a particular story that you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. uh, with commercials, it's, it's really, really important that you have a good storyboard. Within 30 seconds, you have very, very few shots to be able to tell this narrative uh, effectively. So you have to pre-plan every single shot for a, a 30 second or 60 second TV commercial. Otherwise, mm. you may not know whether or not it'll be an effective story. So it's not like I call you up and like, hey, this is what I wanna do, and then you guys go. It's like there's more, like, I guess when I think about storytelling, I just think about like, you know, was it like an intro? the meat of the story and like the end. But then like how do you guys make it like unique, I guess? 
Like, is yeah. it just the client's, you know, needs and wants first? I mean, you know, especially because I know for my boss, you know, she'll be like, okay, Jennifer, we need a video for clean, uh, clean energy. But like how I do that, she leaves it up to me. Mm -hmm. And so do most of the clients kind of like put that creative into your hands or is it more like they have very specific things or both? I don't know. So you can go down a very, very technical um, avenue with this. But at, at the very beginning, we, we need to first figure out what the story is. Mm -hmm. um, if, it's, if it's energy, like what, what are we actually trying to communicate mm -hmm. to, to your audience? Mm -hmm. um, is it about like geothermal and who is like within the geothermal space right now or something like that? Mm -hmm. Is it about hydroelectric? What, what are the, the key points to the story that we need to communicate? And then from there, we, in the storyboard process, determine which shots we would want to communicate that effectively. And then when you finish your storyboard, like when you've, I guess, put it all together, um, what happens next with that board? Like, what, do you pitch it to the client or do you like, or do you go out and do it and then you show the client this is what it is? Like, how does that work? Um, with, it, it kind of depends on what the project is. Um, with documentary filmmaking, it's a very different process than with commercial um, storytelling, and which is also a very different process than like event documentation. Mm -hmm. uh, certain things within documentary and event coverage are completely spontaneous and cannot be planned. That's, I think, the beauty and the fun of that kind of storytelling. Mm -hmm. you, you can't anticipate what somebody's going to say or do or think so the, the storytelling happens in camera much of the time. Mm. And, and how that story is told is in the edit process versus mm. within the storyboarding process, you're actually trying to pre-plan exactly which shots you need to tell that story. So one, one of the, uh, typically in, in storytelling, we start with like a very wide shot. We call that an establishing shot and that, that establishes the place that establishes the location um, and, and gets your audience uh, familiar with the territory that you're now working within, whether that's Hawaii or America or mm -hmm. you know that, that general mm -hmm. um, 50,000 foot view of what that location looks like. From there, you can start to get into the details of like, okay, now we can introduce our main characters and our problems and our solutions, and then we can kind of have a resolve. Um, those are some of the things we try to think about beforehand. What are, what are some of those points? Within the storyboard process, we can actually try to indicate which lenses we'll need to tell those stories, uh, which types of cameras are going to work best within that kind of environment, um, and, and also like what kind of talent we're going to need, if we're going to need multiple males and females, children, whatever those things are. Within documentary filmmaking and event coverage, you don't get to make those decisions. They're made for you. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's different. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So we can, mm. we can try to plan, okay, for this documentary, we want to get the opinions of three males and three females and go seek them out. But who they actually are usually is left to serendipity or chance, right? Whether or not they're going to be good on camera or not. Uh, and it's up to us kind of after, like kind of during the interview, kind of during the, the filmmaking process, um, how to best extract information from them. And then the magic actually happens in, in post-production, in the edit. Oh. 
That's so different from some of like the live videos I've seen because I think New York Times did this like New York Times Live in New York and they interviewed somebody and like I guess what you're saying, you can't control what they're saying and the guy, they were like, he's like 85 years old and they're like, what's your favorite thing to eat? And then he was talking about like cornbread for like half an hour. Mm -hmm. And it was live. I mean, we couldn't like cut him off and be like, all right, no more. So it was mm -hmm. kind of funny that you were saying that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, for me, I, I want to shoot something really short to the point doesn't have to be a documentary type. Like, you know, what kind of advice could you give me? Mm -hmm. I know that you talked about knowing our audience. Mm -hmm. um, I know you talked about, you know, some technical about like wide shot and then like some things close up. Do you have any other advice? I think the, the one thing that people who are not trained in cinematography or photography don't realize is how much impact different lenses, um, different lens choices makes within how you can create different moods, different um, motivations, different, different kinds of storytelling um, emotions with lensing. Uh, and you can't really do that with the iPhone, unfortunately, because it has one lens. The iPhone 7 Plus has two lenses. Mm. So you, you learn a little bit as you play around with the two lenses, switching back and forth, what these lenses do. Uh, but when you, once, once you've learned storytelling, once you can tell a decent story, that's when you start to play with some of the other technology and other techniques. But, I mean, people can, people can sit and, and listen to an audio podcast for, you know, a couple hours. We actually talked about this on our last podcast, <laughs> that audio is compelling. Mm -hmm. Good storytelling is always compelling, regardless of whether or not it looks good. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you understand the craft of how to create a great story, the visual side can start to come a little bit more naturally. Mm. Because then you can start to see, okay, for this moment, I would want to create this mood. Um, let's get like a macro shot of this. Uh, and for, like if we want to create a dynamic scene of like a lot of people, we know that we need that wide. We need people interacting. Um, but it all is based on the actual storyline, what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to tell, you know? Um, with event coverage, with documentary filmmaking, and it's actually a great way to practice. I studied animation, and so some of my storyboard teachers, professors, were, were really, really good, amazing. Like, what, what we learn is like shot blocking, what we learn is how to tell a story in, in just a certain amount of frames. And you learn how to think about camera angles by drawing out your scenes. So by doing that, you, you have to figure out, um, you have to really, really think about each shot before you even go out and draw it. Because if the storyline doesn't make sense, then it doesn't matter how well it's shot, it doesn't matter how great the music is, it doesn't matter even if the lines of dialogue are brilliant. If it doesn't connect, if it doesn't work as a whole story, you end up with films that nobody goes to watch or documentaries that nobody wants to see or like failed TV shows, you know. There's some really brilliant writers, really talented filmmakers and cinematographers that have worked on amazing films that have flopped because the story didn't work well. Yeah, so I would, I would actually play around with iPhone. And, and the exercise that I tell people, it sounds very rudimentary, is 
take an everyday scene and shoot a little short about it. And the first thing that always comes to mind is like, go home and make an egg. Have your, have your spouse, have your friend, have your mom cook an egg. Tell the story of making that egg because we all know the process. Um, and so it's not something that we have to figure out, but we do have to figure out how to make that story compelling. Interesting. And we'll, we'll use wide shots to establish the home, the place. Uh, we'll use tight shots to establish some of the details. Mm -hmm. We'll use the sound from the actual making of the egg, the frying, all of that, um, to, to get an, in your, to get the audience to feel like they're right there with you making mm. the egg and actually smelling the omelet being made or whatever that is. I'm so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's no visuals to go along yeah. with that. But if you, can, if you can create moments where people understand what's going on because they've either experienced it themselves, um, then you're, you're, util you're drawing on their experience to create an emotion, to create an experience that the visuals are only helping to uh, enforce. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, that's why, like, with some of these like sci-fi films, um, or even like Transformers or something, they're they're creating experiences that we've never seen. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So they have to explain everything in order for you to to actually get into the film. But if you're working with elements and experiences that everybody knows. Uh, you're able to assume that they understand what's going on a little bit more. I guess it's like those tasty videos. Like mm -hmm. they're very easy bite-sized things because I mean I know it's just like it looks easy but mm -hmm. I've heard it takes a crew. Yep. I mean but it's super consumable. Yeah. And and after people have seen it they're they're familiar with it. You can tell stories super quick without even words. Mm -hmm. You know just text and they can follow right along. Very cool. Yeah. Alright so we want to hear and see your Egg making yes. breakfast videos, because I I want to try that when I get home. Yeah. I'm I'm not only hungry, but I want to do that. That sounds really fun. Nice. Yeah. Everyone loves food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other last tips? Any? The when you're when you're first getting started with filmmaking, um, and even if you've been around it for a little while, one of the easiest things to forget is how important not just the dialogue is, but all of the essential audio components are. We call that foley. Foley are like some of the, the natural and ambient sounds that you would expect to hear within an environment. So like if you're shooting within a kitchen, uh, even if it's not audible um, at the moment you're shooting, it's nice to actually bring in like the sound of a refrigerator hum, mm. right? Or if you're outdoors and there's like no crickets or no birds, just adding some of that audio texture really enhances the experience of that. So we, we often think of shooting extra B-roll to cover over some of like talking head or boring moments to enhance the story. So we do that with audio as well, with these Foley sounds oh. to increase and enhance that experience. It's a great tip. I filmed something and someone was talking for five minutes straight. Did not realize it was boring until my coworker was like, I don't want to read this or watch this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I can totally imagine too, you know, like when you were talking about the egg crackling and everything, just hearing that in itself mm -hmm. is just like everyone knows what that sounds Super like. Super familiar. Yeah, but like if, I guess you can't always capture it if you're maybe taking a wider shot or something yep. like that. So. And so in the same way that we capture B-roll after the fact, we capture audio sometimes after the fact. I mean, you can go out and just capture some stuff with your iPhone or the microphone on your camera. Um, and it's amazing how much depth that adds to the, the viewing experience.
what kind of influences you for your storyboarding or like the, the storytelling, rather? What inspires you? I think inspiration is found in a lot of different ways. But one of my favorites these days is actually travel. Oh. I, I've never been a big traveler. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually didn't even want to go away for college because I, I really liked being here on the island. And I, I just didn't want to leave comfort. Mm. And I hate living out of a suitcase. But as I travel, the more I experience other cultures and other foods and other people and other languages, all of these experiences that you just can't get here on an island, um, it helps me to understand how to tell stories better. It mm. helps me to understand even visually uh, what else is out there. Nice, um, nice. From a from a lighting perspective, from I mean, even even when you go out there, you see that the sun's texture is different in different places. Mm. Like people don't realize this, but when you go to Japan, like I, I think girls will notice this more than boys. Mm. But um, when you go to Japan, like there's this layer of haze mm. over the entire city all the time. So taking selfies, taking mm -hmm. pictures of faces actually is amazing. Because the light is so flattering because of that diffused light. So what you're saying is we need to get the best selfies in Japan yes. with that light. Got it. Yes. Noted. I will let my husband know that <laughs> I need to go to Japan to get my selfies taken. Travel is travel is huge. Um, learning learning new languages, learning new people, learning all of that stuff is great for for inspiration um, because we we often get stuck in in the forms in which we traditionally communicate. So going out and actually seeing how other people do it in their commercials, in their marketing, all of that stuff helps to expand our, our understanding of how people communicate yeah, and absolutely. learn. Uh, so that's, that's a big thing, um, going out and actually watching films, watching documentaries, watching TV shows, watching YouTube, watching Facebook, like all of these places are super relevant forms of uh, inspiration. And I, I watch the things that I don't even like mm -hmm. because people like it. Mm -hmm. and, and understanding the psychology of why people watch it is super fascinating to me and helps me to c communicate better. I completely agree with that. I, I've seen things like, you know, the girls watch these like makeup tutorial videos, right? Why are some more captivating than others? Or why is it like if someone's going on a vlog and you're watching two people, they're the same pe type of people, but one person's more interesting than the other. I love how, you know, this one guy, um, I forget his name already, but what he does is like, he puts everything in a different perspective, like you mm -hmm. said, but he makes it seem like you're with him at all times. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you, you know, I think that's such an interesting perspective. It's like that person's my friend, mm -hmm. but I'm here in Hawaii and that person's in Europe. It's like, mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and there's, a, there's just a lot of people that are um, doing amazing things mm -hmm. digitally who would probably never have a platform on TV mm -hmm. and are breaking a lot of the stereotypes for, for which broadcast traditionally has held like what good quality content is. Right. And I love that about the current state of digital distribution. Like Absolutely. anybody can create anything at any time. Agreed. It's all about that shareability and mm -hmm. being able to, like you said, be able to influence by all different kinds of things, having all the resources too. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to my mom today mm -hmm. about how my niece always wants to go on her iPad. And she actually just sits back and watches sometimes what my niece will watch at three years old to see what kind of content she's consuming. And a lot of it is like how to 
make things out of Play-Doh yeah. or how to color or how to draw, like these little tutorials that you would never think a three-year-old would be fascinated by, but she's just glued to it because she wants to learn how to do it better. Yeah. And even at that young age, they're learning how to learn via YouTube yeah. from kids who are like five and seven who are creating these YouTube channels and becoming not famous be to become famous because you don't care about that yeah. when you're five or seven, but they're making content because they want to share it with the world. And that's fascinating to me. That's awesome. I've seen this little kid, um, I watched him and he was watching like how to do Legos. And it kind of blew my mind because it was like complex Legos. And I was like, I can't do this. It's like an engineer's level. And then he was just like, so we take this and I don't, it doesn't fit here. So I think we're going to try it here. And just the whole, like, it's just so pure and genuine. And I was just like, wow, you know, it's so awesome to see kids. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, there's people that are older and they're learning how to do it mm -hmm. and telling the stories through watching different YouTube videos. Like I just learned a YouTube or how to do something on YouTube just today for Illustrator. And it was great. I was like, person had a good voice, had good lighting, had good screen with their tutorials, awesome, so. Yeah, and, and it really does come down to how they kind of tell a story mm -hmm. or don't. Um, and that a lot of the time will determine whether or not they're successful mm -hmm. or whether, whether the shows are watchable or mm -hmm. not. Um, and sometimes literally it's just kids shooting video of themselves doing something weird and, and it catches on and people love it. Yeah. There, there's a show called um, What is in that or something like that. And it's a, a kid and his dad that cut open things. Um, like I think one of the popular ones was they cut open a rattlesnake's rattle mm -hmm. to see what was the noise maker within the rattlesnake. That's cool. Really interesting stuff. Um, not a scientific show. Yeah. Uh, not like somebody who's like an entertainer by any yeah. means, but have found an, a niche, have found an audience that is as curious about these things as they are. That's you know? so cool. Uh, so it's it's just amazing to see what this medium can do, um, and how it's how it's really I think uniting mm -hmm. people uh, in in these different film, video creator. Um, spaces. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all your expertise and advice. It's super helpful. And hopefully, everyone out there will go out and make their egg breakfast video. And if you don't eat eggs, you know, whatever it may be. Eggs are good. Eggs are great. Yeah. Avocados with eggs are good. Being so hungry. Yeah. If you have any comments or any questions that we didn't answer, make sure you shoot us an email at questions at hawaiishoots.com. We are also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are, we are as well. So make sure you connect with us soon. Personally, I am at Brad Watanabe. And I'm J-Lu, J-L-I-E-U. And we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you enjoy this, please subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube, Facebook, give us a like, give us a share, and we will see you again very, very soon. Aloha.